G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. 2020, bringing a biblical perspective on life, culture and current events. Weekdays on UCB's Vision Radio Network. Find out more at vision.org.au. Well, today, a look at the nation of Africa and focusing in on the faith of one woman who was attacked and left for dead by a mob of 200 angry villagers. And as she lay bleeding, she felt God speak to her about the place where she was and where her blood was spilled. Annie Chikwaza is our guest to tell her story and to talk about Malawi in Africa and her new book, which is called Mother of Malawi. Hello, Annie. Welcome to 2020. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Annie, let's come back to the beginning of your story. And as I just mentioned, attacked, left for dead by a mob of angry villagers. Can you describe what was happening at that time? Well, to begin with, um, you know, the um, mob of angry villagers were there because they had been told uh, by my late husband's uh, children that I had killed their brother, that I had poisoned him. And because they were afraid that I would inherit a 50-acre property which belonged to their father. So in order to get rid of me, uh, they had to kill me, as they had tried many other ways to get rid of me, and they couldn't get that far. Um, So as I was attacked... It was the most amazing thing when, you know, it, it's what you put on the inside of you. That is what comes out in the most difficult circumstances. And as I was being attacked, I, I, I said to the Lord, today I'll be alive. If you want me alive, I'll be dead and I'll be with you. And um, but as they were hacking on me with pangas and kicking me and throwing stones at me, um, I was in and out of consciousness, but when I would be conscious, I would feel so amazingly abandoned uh, to my heavenly Father, and because that is what I had put on the inside of me, intimacy with God, and nobody could take that away from me, even in those particular circumstances. And let me ask you perhaps a, a very personal, intimate question when it comes to dealing with pain. Sometimes... I've heard of people who've been in situations of danger and under attack and they feel as though there has been a special grace from God in that moment. Did you feel his special presence and his protection on you? I was abandoned to my heavenly father. I was cocooned in his love. And that was the most amazing, amazing thing. Although I would be conscious and unconscious, but when I was conscious, I, I knew I was cocooned in his love. And, and that was absolutely amazing. The imagery that comes to mind for me is the biblical stoning of Stephen. Did you feel as though there was a sense in which you were there in, in a sense just like Stephen? Well, you know, in a sense, when you abandoned 
to your heavenly father, you are in his arms and you, uh, you, you, the presence, his presence is so tangible that, yeah, I think, you know, it's Stephen must have experienced something like that as uh, I experienced. As you, or the other way around. That's right. As you lay there, as you say, bleeding, your blood was being spilled in that place. And yeah. in that moment, you felt the voice of God speaking to you. Tell me about yes. that. Well, you know, uh, there was already a time that God had spoken to me uh, that the land uh, for which I now had to die, uh, that that was going to come to Kondanani. And I realized that my blood, somewhere along the line, I, it wouldn't have come any other way. And, and, and it sounds crazy. But you know what? It, it, that land, God had a plan for it, for the orphans of Malawi. And somehow it had to come to me. It had to come to Kondanani. And it couldn't come any other way. And, well, praise God. It, it, it's a most amazing story that as I went to South Africa for one and a half years, and not gave up the calling God had placed on my life. I could have easily done it. I could have easily said, I'm staying in South Africa. I'm not having this. I'm not having to, you know, I'm just about beaten to death. No, I'm going back where God has called me to go because he's got a plan with all of this, however, however unreasonable it may have seemed. You know, out of it came tenacity. Out of it came a forming of character out of it came something that I would never give up, ever. Having survived the attack and having gone through that recovery, as you say, in South Africa, going back then into Malawi, did you face opposition continually from that point as you began to reach out and to help those orphaned children? Well, you know, that is what is so amazing. Um, uh, let me tell you a little story. As I was driving back, and you know, it takes a couple of days to drive back. Somebody had given me a car in, in South Africa. As I drove back about 40 kilometers before Harare, the capital city of Zimbabwe, um, I saw something across the road. And at some stage I thought, is it a branch of a tree or whatever it is? By the time I got to it, um, I drove over a very large python which smashed against both sides of my car as I drove over it. And the Lord said to me, do not look back. The back of the serpent has been broken. And that, of course, is an unforgettable thing. I went back to Malawi, started with Kondanani, which I, with the babies, and I never had any opposition from anybody, either my husband's children or from the village people. Never again. The back of the serpent had truly been broken. Satan had lost its power over me running away from Malawi. You've had a wonderful journey of endurance. You've been able to overcome being attacked, being left for dead. You've yeah. you've recovered in South Africa. You're back to 
Malawi, and you've even had, as you know, I guess you could call that instance with the python across the road. It's like a sign, isn't it, that you yeah, hear it, it you was, hear a word? It was. It was a sign. God gave me that sign, and 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 that truly became the truth. Now I understand. You need to understand that when I got back to the village, the people and whatever they thought, they thought it was magic. They couldn't understand that I was alive. They couldn't understand that I would actually come back. And they saw that as magic. And I realized that. And I thought, fine, you know, the devil is your master. So whatever you think, that's okay. But my husband's children, right, and they were adults, by the way, they knew better. And even they, because I had forgiven them. I had truly forgiven them. And there was no opposition any longer from their side. But by the time I came back, I must say, my late husband had said to his children that you want to kill my wife for this land, I'm going to sell it. And by that time, he'd actually sold the land. We're in the middle of a story of Annie Chikwaza who was a Dutch missionary to Africa, who was attacked and left to dead by an angry mob. As she was lying bleeding, she heard the voice of God telling her about the place she was in, the nation of Malawi. And having survived that attack and having returned to Malawi, she was there to work with children, almost in a miraculous way, that people were not seeing her as a threat any longer, but actually saw her in some way as a magical reappearance. Annie, when we talk about the work that you began to do with children and a new, yeah. different circumstance that you were under, how hard was it to get the, the work going to, to work with those orphans? You know what? It, 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 it wasn't very difficult uh, to start um, you know, when God has proved himself mighty on your behalf, then whatever he says, you're going to move. And when I stood with a little baby in my arms, because I said, Father, what do you want me to do now? I, I stood with a baby in my arms and I said, okay. And the Lord said to me, now this is where you start. And I said, fine, Lord. And he told me where the house was, where I was to start. And I signed the lease for that house. And believe me or not, but it was like when I came to my husband uh, in, in Malawi, I, I moved into a totally derelict house. When, in fact, I'd lived in the best suburb of Johannesburg. <laughs> and um, I, again, had to start with a totally derelict house. But again, I took the step. It's taking the step which makes the difference because God can't move on our behalf if we don't take the step he wants us to take. And uh, I renovated that whole house, and the babies kept coming. But now, of course, it got too small. And God said in the year 2000 to me, when I walked on the land which my late husband had now sold, um, this land... So many people got saved on. So many people were baptized in that dam. When I walked there and, and asked the Lord about why this belonged to a sinner now, he said to me, no, 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 this land is coming to Konanani. And that was the most amazing thing. So I went home because now we lived back in the village and we lived right next door to this land on another seven acres. 
which we by then had purchased. And I wrote down in my whole vision uh, for uh, those other 43 acres for which I had to die. And it had been sold uh, to a politician and he was taken out of the cabinet and couldn't pay for it anymore. So the bank took back this land. And it was very exciting to see how God was now going to move and see uh, how this land was now going to come to Komanani because that is what he had promised. How did that land come then to you? Well, so in the year 2003, I sat on this vision for three years already and I would walk on it and I would talk to it (laughs) and told it what was going to happen. And the the Lord said to me in May 2003, he said, now you go out and start raising funds for that land because the bank has now taken it back, remember. And what was so exciting about the bank taking it back, they were trying to make a go of it. Uh, of the farming there, and they would do. They would put. They put irrigation in. They changed this big house which was there, and I would come back to my uh, to Louis, my late husband, and I would say, "Daddy, you know what they've done now," and and they would have changed things, and I, and they're doing it for us, and they don't even know. And in the year two thousand and three, the Lord said to me, "And may go and raise funds for the land." So out I went, raising funds for the land. So I put it in the bank, sat on it until August, when we saw an ad in the paper which asked for bids for the land that same year. And we put in our bid. And then we started, the Lord said to me, go and walk around it seven times. So I did that with my staff, seven Fridays, seven times. So, and thanking the Lord for that land. After we'd done it six times, we were told somebody else had won the bid. I said, no ways. Hasn't God said? Hasn't God spoken? So we're going to do it for the seventh time. And we did. And again, we waited. And nothing happened. In the year 2004, February, I got a phone call from the bank. They said, Mrs. Chikwasa, would you please come and see us about the land? Hallelujah. And I went there. I saw, and I went with my late husband. And, you know, he had a screensaver which said Jesus. And I said to him, so where's the man who won the bed? He says, we can't find him. I said, I'm not surprised because it belongs to us. He said, we want you to have it. This is a Friday afternoon. We want you to have it. But... We need another $40,000 by Wednesday morning to reach the highest bid. Well, I said, no problem. I didn't have a clue. But if God has spoken, if he has said, he's going to do it. And how did that $40,000 come? Well, on the Tuesday afternoon, I had an interview with the head of TV Malawi on my front lawn. And he said to me after the interview, now Mrs. Chikwaza, what is going what is your what are your future plans? I said, and this was going to be I knew the breakthrough for my faith. I said, We have purchased the land next door and we are going to X Y we're gonna do XYZ. 
I did not have one penny, not one penny. And we went to bed that evening, but I knew it was going to be the breakthrough. We went to bed that evening. I believed God for whatever he was going to do. I didn't know how. Ten percent, the phone went. And somebody phoned me from the UK and said, and somebody I'd never spoken to, I'd never seen. And that person said, Annie, if I give you that money for the land, are you sure you're going to get it? I said, yes. Well, she said, I'm going to give you the money. And that was the land for which I had to die became ultimately the property of Komanani. So it was worth every drop of blood I had to, which was spilled on that ground. We're talking with Dutch missionary to Africa, Annie Chikwaza. We have heard an incredible story of endurance, being left for dead after being attacked by a mob of 200 angry villagers on having gone through a recovery process uh, in South Africa, returning to Malawi and the journey that she has taken, uh, something of biblical proportion, almost a little like the story of Joshua, every place on which his foot would tread. God said he would give it to Joshua. Well, there are those sorts of things that we're hearing in the story of Annie Chikwaza today, who's the author of a book called Mother of Malawi. Annie, I want to talk to you about the children because in Malawi, the issue yeah. of HIV AIDS is very significant. You know, we, we have a million it is said we have a million orphans in Malawi in a population of 1.4 million, which is, of course, huge. And I don't even know if it's really the, the, the proper figure is really known. Uh, but that's the guess. What is it like when those children simply turn up? Someone drops them off. They find their way to you. And these children have these dreadful health issues. You know, we have only all our children, uh, they have come to us as babies, uh, as tiny babies. Uh, that has been the criteria for Kondanani so that we could bring them up. And in the knowledge of God and, in, 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 you know, morally as well. And so that means that the oldest child is now 16 and they were tiny babies when they came. And yet we've had the odd mother, odd, no, not the odd mother, because the mothers have always been passed away. The children are orphans. But we've had the odd grandmother uh, coming uh, to our gate uh, with a baby when the daughter has died. And, you know, we've taken in those babies. Uh, and, you know, they have... Of course, because they have never been malnourished, they have they are a different kind of child because they are they can they go to school of course we have a nursery school we have a an an primary school we have a high school, and ultimately we will have online university for our children when we get there when they've done their um high school exams uh, but you know we've got in fact, although we have HIV children, um, I forget basically who they are. Now, that doesn't mean they're not on the medication. Uh, they are, but they're so healthy, our children. Um, God has really done an amazing work. You know, we, we had a, a doctor coming in, and uh, 
uh, every week, and and we had to ask her to. Well, she, it was just she was there was no work for her. The blessing rests upon our children, and they're healthy, including the HIV children. Now, tell me about the Kondanani Children's Village, where you've got something like 200 children at present. Malawi is one of Africa's poorest countries. Do you get support from the government, or is it coming from Christian people around the world? No, it does not come from the government. It comes from Christian people around the world. And let me tell you some amazing, uh, an amazing thing. Uh, just three months ago, the Minister of Social Welfare, and that's not the first time, by the way, came to us and asked for clothing and food for her constituents in her constituency. And you know what? We gave it to her because we want to show how big our God is, that a government minister has to come to us as a children's village, as an orphanage, to ask for goods. I love it. I love it. Annie, what sort of respect do you have? Uh, Because you're leading the Kondanani Children's Village, what sort of respect do you now have in the... Uh, village and in the nation of Malawi, having gone through what you've been through uh, and experienced the attack and the recovery from that, uh, how do people treat you in the village these days? You know what? They treat me with honour. And have ne- you need to understand as well is what we have. We have 135 uh, workers at Komanani, and they all come from the villages around us which gives them some status because they have an income. And, you know, each person will have probably feed uh, altogether 10 uh, people, which is, you know, which is amazing for them. That means we have an impact on about 1,500 uh, people uh, in the villages surrounding us. We Our chief, treats me with great respect. If I go to a our traditional authority, the big chief, you know, if we go to a function, he will have me sitting next to him. And do you do the sort of work that you were doing with your husband as Dutch missionaries to Africa? Is there an outreach program that's a part of what you do at the Kondanani Children's Village? Um, the you know, I'm a great believer for doing what we do. We do 100%. Well, let's say 99.99. <laughs> but the thing is, I want to do one program well. We've now started with an outreach program, and that is for children who are mentally and physically handicapped. So we have a clinic which treats these children. We have a medical rehabilitation technician heading that up. And this is a great outreach. Um, Most of these children are suffering from epilepsy or from cerebral palsy, and they come in on a daily basis as patients uh, to be treated. And uh, that's a very exciting um, outreach we have. Well, your story is an inspiration, Annie, uh, dealing with issues to do with a... 
very poor nation in Africa and helping the poorest of the poor. Uh, it's just an inspiration to everyone who is listening. And I want to point people to your book. Your book is called Mother of Malawi. Just yes. quickly, uh, how did it come about that you decided you would write down your story in a book? Well, you know, Al Gibson has written the book um, because I would never have got to that. And, uh, you know, we decided uh, some years ago, a few years ago, uh, as I got to know Al, Al had actually hit me on God TV and we were queuing up at the South African border and he hit my voice and recognized it from God TV. And that is how we got to know one another. He called my name, and then he found out it was me. And he is a tremendous author. Uh, and he's written the book in such a way that whoever I speak to who tells me that they cannot put it down. So he needs to have... He, he, he gets the credit from me for people wanting to read it. Of course, it's my story, but he's written it in an amazing uh, way. The people, I mean, at this morning I had an email from somebody, an unbeliever. I went to the library somewhere. I found the book in some library in the UK. And she said, I could not put down your book. I spent the day in the library. So he, he's done an amazing job. And God has done an amazing job in my life in order to bring this book uh, into being. Well, the book is called Mother of Malawi, and you can get a hold of it through Amazon.com. To find out where Annie might be speaking in the nation uh, over the next short while, you can go to Facebook. And the Facebook uh, address is for the Kondanani Children's Village. That's K-O-N-D-A-N. A-N-I, Children's Village, and you can follow along the work of Annie Chikwaza, the mother of Malawi, and just a pleasure talking to you today, Annie, and I want to thank, thank you so you. much for being part of what we're doing here in Australia and for being our guest on 2020. Thank you so much, Neil. I appreciate it. Like what you've just heard? There's more great podcasts, or you can listen to us live at vision.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. Your donation of any amount will help us continue connecting faith to life. Learn more or donate today at vision.org.au.